welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. To all of us, good to see you this morning here at Cork Church. It's a wonderful morning, amen. It's a wonderful morning to be alive. It's a wonderful morning to be able to own Jesus as Lord and Savior, to be able to live for something and die for something in the full assurance of a resurrection. Amen. And uh, we want to bless the Lord for his presence amongst us. And uh, I just again, I want to welcome each and everybody here. Anybody online joining us for the first time, we are so joy, overjoyed to have you with us here at Cork Church today. I was sitting down just enjoying the music and I got the bump from Patrick, you're next. So I'm kind of a, a little bit, oh, I'm not even prepared. So praise the Lord. As you can see, I've got a Dunstore spray tan on me this morning. Um, you know, I was looking very opaque for a while there and they have it f- uh, cheap at the moment for 3 99 spray on if you want to. But no, sincerely, I want to thank the Lord. Uh, some lovely Christian people uh, used to attend the church here, booked a, a beautiful holiday for two weeks to Cyprus, and, um, and for some reason couldn't make it. There was an issue with the visa and made contact uh, uh, with us to say, we would love to offer you a two-week holiday away. And um, I just want to thank them for that because it came at a really uh, a time where I felt quite, quite to myself and my wife so when the phone call came, um, can, you, can you take, it was like, like Wednesday was leaving, the, within six days it was leaving. So I said, I'll have to just check with the boss. So I went, are we okay? <laughs> and she said it was okay. And uh, so we're two weeks away and we thank the Lord for that. Uh, bring you greetings from Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas came from Cyprus. By the way, if you want to know a little bit of biblical trivia there, and uh, praise the Lord. Again, lovely to see so many here and some old faces that I spoke to before service. Particular joy to see you in here this, today. Fathers, we come around your word this morning. We, we do want to say what, how overjoyed we are today, Lord, to be living in the resurrection power of Christ. We are so grateful that your gospel found us. Lord, we could be so, Lord, wandering Lord, in our own ether, in our own thoughts, and dark as they are, Lord God, and foolish as they are, you rescued us from that. Lord, while we were just going through life, just following the normal contours of a fallen nature, Lord, inflicting upon ourselves so much misery, so many own goals being scored against us, Lord God, you came and you rescued us. You came, Lord God, and you put your arms of love around us. And Father, we are just overjoyed today, Lord God. We have many things in our lives, Lord, which we would testify that are not great, Lord. Not always up to par, Lord. Things in every horizon don't look great, Lord. But Lord, when it comes to you, there is no one more beautiful. There is no one more lovely, Lord. And your promises are yes and amen. And we want to thank you for your presence. And I ask you, Lord, this morning for grace to share this morning from your word. Lord, that your name will be glorified. People will be encouraged in their faith, Father, and that, Lord, we will all leave here overjoyed, Lord, rejoicing in the God of our salvation. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's a big deal. First of all, before we go to the message, it's a big deal. In the Roman Empire, the average age of a man was 25. We didn't get to the, we didn't get to the average lifespan of 46 until the 1900s. Isn't that amazing? Crucifixes lined the approach roads to Jerusalem at this time because of constant sedition on behalf of the Jews against the Romans. There was constant 
um, uh, retribution against uh, the rebels, and there was, it was a bloodletting time. The Roman Empire bought a level of civility, but it bought a level of brutality. Rome was reasonably good if you complied, but she was brutal if you didn't. Debt surrounded everybody. Disease, hunger were daily occurrences. You know, we don't really understand, you know, because we are so far advanced technologically today and we live much longer and we have health care and we've got the United Nations and we've got, you know, governmental systems that seem to give us a level of prosperity. But, you know, when you think about them casting lots for Jesus' garment, which of us today would be worried about a sweaty old garment that's bloodied? You know, I'll tell you that nothing was wasted back in those times. Everything was scrambling. Debt was everywhere. It was so final. Sickness, as I said, distress, famine. The vanity of existence haunted humanity. It was why Solomon says, all is vanity. It's all so vain. It's all so worthless. I woke up this morning, I was sitting at the end of the bed, I was looking out the back garden, like I'd looked a thousand times before, and I said, I can't believe that I, I'm turning a corner in my age bracket. You know, I, I can't believe I've been looking through these eyes for, you know, I won't tell you how long, but long enough, out into that space, and my time in this world is getting shorter, as is yours, and the greater of my life is behind me and ahead, and if I didn't know the Lord, I'd say, what is it all about? Death would be so final. And so when the, the idea of resurrection, the idea of someone being able to conquer and, and reconstitute all the greatness of, of, of the human and bring it back to a place of Adamic and Edenic harmony was something that was just a dream for people. And so it's a big deal. When we talk about the resurrection, you know, sometimes it doesn't resonate enough with us because we are somehow sanitized a little bit to death and suffering in our modern societies. It means a lot more when you go to the poor regions of the world, I can tell you. When you begin to offer the eternal truths in the depths of the teaching of Christ, Jesus always said that the poor received him with gladness. The dry and barren places were the ones that opened up to his message, but sometimes resurrection power could be lost upon a 21st century world where, hey, there's another pill, there's another antibiotic, they're making genetic progress, you know, education, oh, you're buying a new handbag, you're going away on a holiday, you're buying a new home, they're full of distractions, you know, and, and the idea of resurrection sometimes doesn't resonate how powerful it is and how deep it's, it's uh, revelations and, and how deep its implications go for all of our lives. But it's, it is a big deal. I just want to tell you this morning, it is a big deal. Apostle Paul says, if there is no resurrection, then your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And you have no hope. And again, when he said that to that first century church, they completely got that. In a 21st century church, we don't get that because... There's a lot of distractions still, isn't there? There's turkeys in the oven, our legs are lamb, and you have people coming over for dinner. And by the way, bank holiday, what are we doing on bank holiday Monday? And we can get so flooded because there's so many of those things because we don't fully grasp. There'll come a time of revelation. There'll come a time in life where you say, once I was an old young man, but now I'm old. There'll come a time when the strength will fail. There'll come a time when the eyes grow dim, there'll come a time where you have no joy in the hour. 
Ecclesiastes tells us that very carefully. There's a season to everything. And enjoy your season for sure, but prepare. Remember your creator, he says, in the days of youth before the difficult days come. Before you say, I have no joy in them. Because there comes time in life where you don't have joy. Food doesn't do the same for you anymore. Travel doesn't, the same, doesn't do the same for you anymore. Uh, natural physical attraction is not the same level, much as all you young, young uh, healthy men think it will always be that way. Let me tell you, even life itself, it begins to leave you. And thank God for the message of resurrection in Jesus. Amen. Thank God today, otherwise we would have all be of all men pitied. And I... And I was, I was just, just in my soul before the Lord. I, I changed late last night message. I was on a different message for resurrection. It was a good message. I'm sure I can use it another time. But some of these thoughts come late in the night to you as you're, as you're just meditating. And I, I have a thought that I haven't seen before, and I hope it will bless you this morning because it's, it's a well-known scripture, but it's never been tied to where we have. I have never tied it. Others, I'm, there's great preachers around the world, I'm sure, who have tied it. But if you have a Bible, turn to... Um, Ezekiel chapter 37. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ezekiel 37. Now this is written in a context where the Jewish people are in captivity. Indeed, Ezekiel himself is living in Babylon. And there is a sense of it's final and it's over. There's a lot of despair. There's a lot of... There's a lot of... Uh, um, you, you know, depression over the fact that they've been completely annexed out of their land. They're, they're 800 miles from home. They're living in Babylon. Will they ever see again the Lord's uh, temple? Will they ever see worship in Jerusalem? And of course, this is writing into that paradigm, but there's something very interesting about this chapter because when you begin to see in the scriptures, Jesus says, you seek the scriptures in them, you think you have life, but they testify of me. There's always a higher meaning to the word of God than just purely Israel, purely that moment. It's an eternal word. It's there to guide us to an, to an ultimate crux. Incidentally, you know where we got that word from. The word crux comes from the word cross. It brings us to the cross. That's why in, in modern English, we took from the crucifixion the word crux in the Latin which means it's the center point. The word comes from the word crucifix. The very center point of history is the cross. It's the crux of what existence is all about. It is the issue. It's all what life is about. It's all what the whole form of existence is all about. The crux of the issue is the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the midst of a valley and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in an open valley. Indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh Lord, you know. And he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord your God, these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath into you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied and it was as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and a sudden rattling of the bones. 
And they came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. And the skin covered them. And there was no breath in them. And also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon the slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded. And breath came into them. And they lived and they stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. And he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your grave. Hallelujah. And you shall, and I shall bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And when I've opened your grave, O my people, and brought you from the graves, I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Hallelujah. It's interesting, as Jesus, on the night of his trial, Caiaphas comes to him. And he says to him, he said, are you the Christ, the Son of God? And he says, you say right, but I say unto you, you shall see the Son of Man seating on the right hand of authority and coming on the clouds of glory. Jesus had two titles, Son of God and Son of Man. He chose to use Son of Man. It was lost upon the average Israelite because he was just saying, I'm just the Son of a Man. But it wasn't lost upon the Jewish theologians of the time. Because they understood that Son of Man was one of the greatest titles from Daniel chapter 7. Whereupon the Son of Man was given authority to rule and be worshipped forever. All power and authority given to him. And I love this because, you know, the end of the day, Jesus, this is a type of Christ. Ezekiel is a type of Christ here now, if you can see it in the, in, the, in the wider context of the story. Because the whole of the Bible, the crux of it is to bring you to the cross. It's to bring you to a death and a resurrection and a glorification. It's to gather you back from the bondage that you found yourself in. Every story, every story of the Bible is about reconciliation. Every narrative is Reconciliation. Everything is to deal with the very corrosive element of sin that seeks to cloud and darken the vision of God and lead us astray. So there is, there is, a, there is a fight in, in, in the spirit of God to deal with the enemy, to deal with sin, to deal with that which will corrupt you and destroy you and break you and bring you into naught. But all the time is the heart of God is reconciliation. And I want you to just walk through very quickly with me this morning. I want you to see God the Father speaking to the, to the Son of Man. Jesus said, I say nothing and do nothing other than what I see the Father say and do. And I can imagine the Holy Spirit saying to Christ, can these bones live? And as the man Christ says, you know this, Father. Then I want you to prophesy to them. And Jesus went throughout the countryside. You know the word prophesy means preach. He went around the countryside preaching the good news to dead bones. He went around the countryside preaching the, king, the kingdom of God is at hand to those who are dry, 
to those that are weary, to those that were broken, to those that said, like Israel of old, I have dried up, all my bones have, are, are aching and have no life in me. And he went and he preached the gospel. And he began to draw men and women. Men and women began to come together. It's amazing when you come under the teaching of the gospel, you start to come together. All of a sudden, you start to get your equilibrium. You begin to discover what righteousness is and what right is and what wrong is. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that the entrance of his word begins to bring back light into our thinking again? Isn't it just wonderful, just the pure knowledge of Scripture? Just as Jesus spoke the parables, as he began to feed the people understandings, they began to come together. They didn't even fully understand it. They just sensed God. They began to become nourished by his words, and they hung on every word he said. The dead bones were beginning to come together. As you begin to speak to them and teach them, flesh began to come upon them and sinew came upon them. As you begin to raise up disciples around them, around him, even with them as they became emancipated in their thinking and drawn to him and begin to stand in his presence, then, friends, there needed to be another work done. Amen. Hallelujah. There needed to be a ruach. <sighs> Speak to the Spirit, the ruach. That's a caricature of the Holy Spirit where the Spirit of the Lord breathed over the, brooded over the face of the deep when chaos surrounded this world and God brought order out of darkness. It was through the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing that Christ didn't just come with fanciful words. He didn't come and just build your expectation to such a level that now he just give you knowledge. And that's what most religion is, isn't it? Religion is a passing out of some type of knowledge, whether it's the right knowledge or the wrong knowledge. I argue that most of it is the wrong knowledge. But people get puffed up in a type of knowledge, but no power. The Apostle Paul talked about that, having a form of godliness or a formula for godliness, having knowledge, but having no power. And Jesus wasn't just going to be talking to you some cute stories or some vain promises. He was going to validate his claims. He was going to do everything he said he was going to do. He was going to cover and bury and clarify your legal position with God. He was going to deal with the sin that was so offensive, that was offensive both to God, but also malignant to us and destroying us. And we see that at the crux. That's the cross. We see that at the cross, he pays the penalty that's due to God. He pays and satisfies the justice of God. This, the Bible talks about the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. But there had to be a resurrection. There had to be a resurrection. And so this whole 37 is completely fulfilled in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you can bring men and women together with an argument or with, an, with, with ideas. Religion does that all the time. But our Savior conquered the grave, friends. Hallelujah. I said he conquered death. Partick was absolutely right. I hold the keys of, of Hades and of death. He holds the keys for it. In other words, something that locked us into narrow thinking. Something that locked humanity down with fear. 
Something that locked us into dark places where we try to escape from those thoughts by, by, by abusing ourselves with alcohol or drugs or whatever it might be. Try to, try to find some sort of rationale out of this miserable thing called life because it becomes miserable. So we try to fill it with materialism. We try to fill it with other people. We try to fill it with some sort of drugs, some sort of satisfaction in life. And it just locks us into a place of no hope. But our, God, our Christ, friends, is the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. He doesn't just bring you and draw you to an argument. He draws you to life. I have come that they would have life and have it abundantly. What a gospel, amen? Not an argument, life. Hallelujah. I've met some Christians and they know very little of the scriptures. They're only saved a week or two a month, a year. They know very little of the dogma of God, but they are full of life. Resurrected life. Life that has generated something in them. They don't always have an articulation as to what happened. But you can't deny that new life has come. Hallelujah. You can't deny that they've been God touched. You can't deny that something of the divine has entered them. Because they're born again. Hallelujah. Can you see your own life here? Dead, dry, broken. Defeated in the grave. Can you say, many of you, this is our testimony, isn't it? This is us. And the Son of Man comes. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news. And he begins to preach his news to you. And then you start to come together. And my mind starts to get balanced. My eyes become opened. My ears and my understanding to the, to the eternal truths become awakened to something I never understood before. But I want to tell you, friends, it's not just an argument. It is the life. And he said, Son of man, prophesied to these bones and to the whole house of Israel. And indeed, say to, and say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost. And we ourselves are cut off and therefore prophesy and say to them, just as the Lord your God, behold, my people, I will open your graves. I will cause you to come out of your graves. <laughs> you know what, friends? As I was looking at this, uh, Joan Mooney, we buried her just a few weeks ago. That was in my Bible. I, have, I, have, I actually keep them all. David Heafy, we buried him last year. He's in my Bible. Tony Lasarda. I have my dear dad, I have my uncle Paddy. I've built DC in my heart. But I want to tell you, friends, this is the promise from Ezekiel 37. This is the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ that I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will never die, and though he die, yet he shall live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah this morning. And speak, I will. Open up your graves. And actually, that is a power of a scripture just too far further on in Hosea chapter 13. And this is a promise of the Lord. He said, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, I will be your plague. <laughs> Amen. Oh, grave, I will be your destruction. And I have no pity on you. I have no pity on you. 
We pity the grave because we have not a fuller revelation of the resurrection. He doesn't pity the grave. I give you no pity. I have defeated the grave. I have defeated death. I, have tr I am your plague. <laughs> I am your plague. I am your plague. I don't pity you. Oh, hallelujah. I don't pity you. I will be your destruction, grave. I will be your destruction, death. And I want to tell you, that's why we dance at the resurrection. Because when he rose from the dead, friends, when he took his life back, when he conquered sin and the grave, friends, he sounded, a, 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 he sounded an alarm that went across the darkened world to say that the grave has no right to hold you. Hell has no right to hold you. Satan has no right to hold you. He holds the keys. He has no pity on it. He is death's destructor. He is destroyer of destroyers. Hallelujah. That's why the resurrection is so powerful, friends. The resurrection is so powerful because in the resurrection, Paul says, we, we put on incorruption. Let me read you what he says. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. But I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must be able to put on incorruption, and this mortal must be able to put on immortality. To see, up to this moment in time, human beings could never be in heaven as a human being. Human beings could be in heaven as a spirit. Because their flesh was corrupted. Because flesh and blood could not inherit the kingdom. But when we get that body, and this is why you should get excited when you think about the resurrection. Because when you look at the resurrected body of Jesus, you have to say, that's my body. That's a body that can be on earth. And that's a body that can be in heaven. An incorruptible flesh that can orbit between in and out of time, different worlds, different places. I think it's the most remarkable truth of the scriptures. If you can ask God for a revelation on this, it will help you to be overjoyed about your future. It will help you to look forward to death rather than despise it. It will help you to embrace the understanding that when you get that glorified body, when he opens the grave and reconstitutes you so that now you are back to who you were always intended to be, but with an incorruptible, see we had a corruptible flesh, but now we get an incorruptible flesh, a flesh that will never sin again, friends, amen. It's incorruptible. Adam's was corruptible, but Jesus gives you an incorruptible flesh, amen. He gives you an ability to live forever in the presence of God and one another, never to be defiled again. I just think it's the most remarkable thing. This is the hallmark of the truth of Jesus Christ. This is the authentication of everything that he said, friends. This is the very deed, the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us the guarantee that we can trust God, that even no matter what happens to us, though we die as Christians, we will be raised into incorruption and we will be able to inherit the kingdom. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord. I remember many years ago when I was to work for a, 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 a big multinational company, I was a technician with them, and every two years they got me a new car. I need to talk to the committee of Cork Church. <laughs> and it, <laughs> every two years I got, I got a company car. I, you know, I laugh. I laugh at the pastors. I've said, you know, I, I had such a good number. 
that I could have retired at 54 and 80% of my salary. I, I wouldn't even have to face you today. I could be retired if I... When you're joking, I love that God has called me to the ministry. But I, I would be promised a new car, and, and the manager would say, you can pick your color, and this is the model you're getting. So it was descriptive, of course. We always, you know, we liked red, or we got blue sometimes, and eventually silver was the popular color. But I remembered... It didn't really come together what this felt like until I would drive, sometimes I would drive my family and we would go up outside the main dealer and we would pull up to the showroom and we would look from our car window into the showroom and I would say to my sons, that's my car. Do you understand? Now mine is still in order, it doesn't come for three more months, but that's my car. And they would get all excited. And when I see the resurrected body of Jesus, I say, that's my body. That's my body. That's my body. He could be with us here. Eat and drink in fellowship. And he could now be flesh and blood and enter into the realm of God who is spirit and communicate as a man with the Godhead. And that's what you and I get, friends. That's what Adam wanted. And he went about it the wrong way. He wanted to elevate himself from the garden. And he bought into the lie of the devil that he could do so through knowledge. And that knowledge could bring him up a higher notch or two, like all of the world today, thinking that through science and knowledge and materialism, you can arrive at some form of nexism, some form of, uh, uh, some form of exaltation. You rise higher than what you are. But we all see where our knowledge is bringing us to. It's bringing us to the point of self-destruction. It's, bringing us to, it's not bringing us high, it's bringing us low. We are now at a point where we can kill ourselves a hundred times over. And we have the propensity to do it. But if he'd only went the way of the tree of life. If he said, oh no, I'm very happy to keep feeding the tree of life. And I want to tell you today, friends, we have now all bowed our knee at the tree of life. We come before him this morning. Saying knowledge is wonderful, science is good, but it's not all the answers. The only answer for an incorruptible body that can live in the presence of God forever is that he has cursed the grave. He has reconstituted me out of that grave. Oh, I tell you, friends, where is your victory now? Death. What did you get out of this, Satan? Nothing. Hallelujah. I am free I am new. I have the promises of a prince. You have them right over your life at the moment, friends. The hope of eternal life has already come into you. One day, at the twinkling of an eye, whether it's by death or by rapture, you and I, friends, will see the glory of God. I love this Sunday morning because it's probably the only time of the year I can tell you that story about the, 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 the car because it excites me when I think about it. That's my car. And Lord Jesus, that's my body. Never to suffer again. Never to cry again. Never to be parted from loved ones again. Never to be unfulfilled or disappointed again. Never have to come back in and apologize for another failure, God. Never come back in and say, I shouldn't have said that or done that. But to live in this absolute phenomenal design that God has made for you 
The vehicle that is made for you is unique. It is going to be you. It's going to look like you without any of the flaws. So, oh, amen. So if the nose is a little big or the ears are a little small they were, and they weren't meant to be intended that way, they're going to be perfect. If you're born with a cleft palate, you won't have that. If you're carrying a bit, of, a bit to mount the pouchy area, you, you will be perfect. He will make you and I will know you and you will know me. And we will all know him. I want to tell you, friends, I am the resurrection and the life. I p- pity not death. I destroy death. And I conquer the grave. And I tell you one thing, there's not another religion, there's not another promise, there's nobody can top it, because there's nobody like Jesus. Nobody can top it. This is the hope of the gospel. So when you think of the resurrection, and Jesus rising from the grave, and passing through walls, and still eating a bit of fish, and eating a bit of bread, and conversing with his friends, and then miraculously appearing somewhere else, you say, man, you think you want to fly? Hallelujah. That's my body. That's what I get. And I can't wait for it. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at courtchurch.com or just check out our website www.courtchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.